on the uh, second to last uh, weekend of September, um, Sarah came to the airport to pick me up. I'd just come home from Nelson, and um, you know, my I'm from Nelson, and um, uh, that's my hometown. And I, my my mum is there, my dad's there. Uh, my brother's there, their families are there. And although I'm usually incurably chirpy um, as a personality, I always feel a little melancholy when I have to say goodbye. Anyway, on um, this afternoon, that afternoon, um, Sarah came to pick me up. The boys were in the car. I jumped in the car. We did the kind of preliminary catch-up. We all know how it goes, right? You know, during the preliminary catch-up, there's a bit of a fight over the music. It's the usual thing. Um, and Sarah's driving off, and basically it's like five o'clock, and it's like, okay, how are we going to get, you know, how are we going to get out of here? So we, um, you know, I'm, I'm just basically trusting Google to do the maths, and against my better judgment, you know, think about this, East Auckland is here, I find myself on, we find ourselves on Albert Road, right, which is like this way, and the, the, it's best not to ask why. It's best not to answer that question, but there we are. We find ourselves on Albert Road, kind of getting our way through the traffic. And who knows the Z station on Albert Road? You know, Albert Road Z station, you've got all, the, all got that in your mind? It's just before that intersection where, you know, where um, Manuka Road South meets Campbell Road meets Mount Smart Road meets um, Manukau Road South meets Simon Street. You know, that great piece of engineering where all these roads converge around a hula hoop. Anyway, the Z station before that, I can remember we were just getting there and the want of my, I was kind of indulging the want of my eyes to close at this point. It was in the afternoon. And just as we were getting towards the Z station, this massive plume of black smoke ghosts in front of our car. Sarah puts her foot on the gas. We whiplash into the Z station. And then um, before I know it, there's this massive explosion. There's glass there's a huge ball of flame and there's smoke and there's curtains that are afire just pouring out of the house across the road. I jump out of the car. We haven't exactly stopped yet. I meet the neighbour. We're on the footpath. We're racing to the door. Out stumbles from the door a middle-aged couple who collapse on the step. We ceremoniously drag them from the step onto the grass. They're alive. They're kids who are across the road getting an ice cream for you know, movie night. They make it across the road. They embrace. We're all in tears. And in that moment, there's a real moment of clarity, a real moment of just, you know, you just see things clearly at that period of time. And in that moment, there was just this kind of sense of like amazing, not actually just like, oh my gosh, how do we get through that? It was actually gratefulness. It was actually thankfulness in that moment. And as I step back and I allow my kind of my brain to catch up with my actions, you know, what you saw is people holding things that were most precious to them. Even as their house burnt down 10 meters away. I mean, literally, their house is burning down, but there's an overwhelming sense of thankfulness because in their arms are the most precious thing, their family, Fano. Today I want to talk to you from a passage um, in, from uh, the book of uh, Corinthians. And Paul he here speaks about the exacting nature of fire, how fire tests things and shows and reveals to us, you know, the things that are most precious to us and the things that are most lasting. 
And therefore, the importance of building our lives on real wisdom. Building our lives actually connected to and in the shape of um, the person of Jesus' life. Because the assumption of this passage, um, which is just up there for you, the assumption of this passage is not if, but when testing times happen. When testing times come, that is the moment that what is good in our life, what is permanent, of permanent worth in our life, you know, that's the thing that remains strong. Now, Paul here is doing two things at the same time. He's speaking about building our lives individually, but he's also at that moment speaking about the responsibility we all have to build the church in exactly the same way. And so I want to use this passage as a bit of a lens as we talk about our finances and how we're going to set ourselves up for 2021. So I'm going to read this passage uh, through to you, and then we're going to jump in. Is that good? That's good. Okay, cool. So 1 Corinthians 3, 9, 16, just as a bit of context, um, the city of Corinth is so much like the city of Auckland. It's on this isthmus, it's in Greece. It's like a bit of a port town. It's a real hub, a real center of commerce and finance and a, and a place that was really vibrant and you know, just where all the nations of the world would actually uh, gather. So it's a super important uh, city. It was a city that was so wealthy that in fact it financed you know, the Olympic Games all by itself. People would vie to you know, finance the games they just wrote a check on the spot and got it done, right? These people were um, incredible. So here Paul is writing to them, and he says this, for we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that, the, and that God's spirit dwells in you? Now, every word in this passage is like loaded. And um, so as I go through this just now, I mean, I'm only going to be able to pull, a pull the trigger on a couple of them. So the first thing I want to do is talk about the big metaphor that Paul is using here. And it's the metaphor of, of, of building. And the, um, the contents of the building that it talks about, the construction material, all of that stuff is lifted you know, straight out of the Old Testament to be speaking about the temple of God in Israel. Now, the temple in Israel was designed, um, you know, for the, it was, it was the very center of Israel's life. It was the center of Israel's worship life, political life, and economic life. It was built by Israel, you know, for not only those purposes, but to be a place where you could learn wisdom. You could learn what it means to live with the grain of God's created world, and therefore your life could become fruitful and full of purpose and a sense of destiny. So it was this kind of, this big kind of multifaceted place. But it was not only that. 
there's this little, there's this passage in Isaiah that actually develops this vision out even further. And I want to show it to you now. In Isaiah 2, it says this. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You see, although the temple was at the very heart of Israel's life and was built for Israel and was basically scaffolded and and everything was about it was from Israel, it was the center of their worship life, a place where they could encounter God and a place of God's presence, the temple was not only for Israel. The vision and scope, actually, of the temple was for also for those who were non-ethnically Jews. It was for uh, the nations. Whoops, can we flick back? Can we flick back aside? Um, whoa, the word nations is actually, um, it's translated from the Hebrews into the Greek word ethne, which just means all ethnicities. It doesn't mean nation states, but all people groups. So although it was designed by Israel, it was built by Israel, it was the center of Israel's life, it wasn't only for Israel. It was actually the scope and the vision of it was for um, for a whole range of other people as well. So it was built with capacity for a future that could only be glimpsed by the eyes of faith. And that's what it means here, in the days to come. So it wasn't built just to kind of look after the current reality. It was built with a future in mind. And Paul is picking up this image and he's saying to the church in Corinth, hey, you guys, you are, you build, you, as you build your life on the foundation of Jesus, you are fulfilling what Jesus, you are fulfilling what Isaiah saw 700 years ago. Yes, as a church, are you to be a place where God's presence is known? Yes, absolutely yes. Are you be, to be a place of worship where you can encounter God? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Are you to be a place where you can learn what it means to follow Jesus? Yes, absolutely, yes. But also using this picture from Isaiah, what we know is it's not just a place for you. It's a place designed for others also. You see, what you see if you track right through the Bible is the way of Jesus, the way of God is a way that says it's my life to benefit you. My life to benefit you. That's the way of Jesus. And the dynamic is that we, when we live for the sake of others, that's when we become truly alive. And that is because in that moment, as we're doing that, what we're doing is aligning ourselves with the way that God's life works. Does that make sense? God's way of life is a way that says, my life for you. And so when we align ourselves with that, we tap into uh, that flow. And as a result of that, we become fully alive ourselves. Writing to uh, the church in Germany, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who at the time was actually imprisoned by the Nazis, he says this, the church is the church only when it exists for others. 
The church is the church only when it exists for others. Not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell people of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. The calling on the church, the calling on St. Augustine's, the calling on us, is not just about managing our current reality. It's a, you know, that's, the life, that's the way of my life to benefit me. But in fact, what we're called to do is focus on building a future. We're to build capacity for a future. And that's the way of my life to benefit you. Now, I want to show you something here. Look with me for, I want to raise the issue of who's doing the building. Paul says we're to build this way, but I want to show you who's doing the building here. Isn't it interesting? Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it. Can you see the dynamic here? God graces, but we build. You know, through faith, we see what God is wanting to bring into existence, but we partner with that, and we are the ones that do uh, the building. We are the ones who move towards it. We see in faith, but we build through wisdom. You know, whatever the church is, it's never just about, let's just have faith in God and take our hands off the steering wheel and just pray that something miraculous will happen. That's actually not the way. That's not how the Bible says um, the church is to be built. Or in fact, our life is to be built. No, God um, graces us and we build. It's a partnership. And so the imperative here that Paul says is, whatever you build, do it carefully or do it wisely. And why is that the case? It says because there's going to be fire. There's going to be tested. It is going to be testing. And that's going to reveal exactly the nature of things. You know, what's actually solid? What's most precious to us? As I reflect on uh, the kind of year, the COVID year, and it's been a real time of testing, right? Who's found it testing? Who's actually found it quite stressful? Yeah, it's been all of that, right? It's been testing on relationships. It's been testing um, on businesses and employment. And of course, it's been massively testing for uh, the church also. And you know, I've heard the critique about the church. I'm a vicar, it's the only job I do. You know, church, oh my gosh, church, it's just about Sunday, right? Get a great band, get an average speaker, make sure the coffee is amazing. And there you have it, you've got a church, right? But, you know, then suddenly COVID happens and we've got none of those things. And then what? You know, it was super interesting um, for us. Um, you know, we've, out of the 46 Sundays that were possible to do this year up till now, you know, actually 23 of those um, we were not able to meet. We've only been able to meet half the time this year. And of those 23 Sundays, 22 of them we shot online, and then one we did, um, which was recenter, which was, we, was kind of a you know, time of prayer at TNA. Now, here's a fun fact. Before 2020, guess how many services we'd done online before? Zero. Absolutely zero. And then, boom, we've got 48 hours to get our act together and uh, deliver it. You know, morning prayer, night prayer, worship Wednesday, youth group, Falcons Heads Online, Kids Resources Go Online, and that's all before we hit Sunday, which all needs to be filmed and edited and stitched together and then loaded and tested. 
And at the, you know, and I just want to thank the staff who, and the families of staff, really, because you know, every week, multiple times during the week, um, like probably many of your own businesses, you know, homes became pop-up studios. Children were locked in rooms and told to shush because we're filming. You know, it's just, you know, we, and we got it done. And at the centre of all this, of all these kind of spokes, is actually Mike Hughes. Mike, can we give Mike Hughes a round of applause? Thank you, Mike Hughes. There would be no online without Mike Hughes. And mate, we are super grateful. I know we cut into holidays and weekends and all sorts of things. So Mike and Sarah, thank you so much. It was um, super helpful. But the point I want to make really is this. You know, although we weren't able to meet as a central gathering, um, you know, your kindness, your commitment to meeting together together, your commitment to building a church that is for the sake of others meant that actually our heart for worship increased. Our heart for community got stronger. Our heart for family grew. Our heart for sacrificial service increased. Our heart for welcoming got larger. Our heart for generosity got larger. Our heart for prayer, our heart for our kids, and our heart for our youth got stronger. And our heart for living our lives for Jesus actually felt to be more solid than ever before. It's been a tough year. It's been a really tough year. You know, we've been tested right up to the limit for St. Augustine's. But 2020 has also strangely been a year of growth. It actually has been a year which we've grown. You know, last week, in the last two weeks, we've dedicated 10 children. And next week, we've got five to baptize. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I, know, I actually do know the science behind that, but you know, I don't know why that's the case. You know, why now? Um, but here is the financial tension we face in the middle of all of this. You know, and um, because we are all adults here in the room, you know, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the financial realities that we find ourselves in because I think you've got a right to have some insights uh, into all of this. And particularly as we think about how do we put the next building blocks in place as we build for 2021. You know, we've, we've been asked to build the church. Paul encourages us to build the church, to build it wisely. And so the question becomes, what's the next building blocks we need to put in place? And so I want to talk about the finances. And if it's okay by you, it's going to be pretty unvarnished. Is that going to be all right? Yeah, we all deal with this, right? That's, that's great. So, um, you know, like many of you here, and in fact, like many of the churches around New Zealand, you know, St. Augustine's has not been immune from the financial impacts of COVID-19. And while it's actually an essential part of the life of the church, you know, the finance is just the fuel of the church, but we don't want to bang on about it, right? We don't want to be known as the church that bangs on about finance. So what we do is we have gift days, you know, twice uh, a year, and they are really important opportunities to give financially into the life of the church. And the reality is, without these moments in our calendar, we quite simply could not invest into new ventures, which are in fact required as a young but growing church. So one lockdown happens, two lockdowns happen. And, you know, there's been this kind of growing sense of economic uncertainty. And look, I know that many people have lost their jobs. Many people have actually experienced a decrease in revenue and a decrease in income. And so because of that, we just didn't feel it was right to come to the church and to ask about new investment at that time. And so we didn't. So we didn't do it. 
And as a result of that, we, uh, you know, we had tightened our expenditure. We looked around everything we could possibly tighten up. We did that. We bolted it down. We squeezed it you know, so that it would only just work. And we looked at new ways to basically cover our shortfall. And I feel responsible you know, to really just tell you the truth about that. But because of that decision, um, that's left us with an unplanned shortfall of 25K. So we've got a 25K uh, shortfall. But on the other side of this tension, even though we've got the shortfall, you know, as we prayed before, we are kind of bursting at the seams with um, you know, this burgeoning kind of all the children that are coming to St. Augustine's. You know, we've got 104 kids on our books today. 104. You know, and sure, not everyone can turn up every week, but last week, for example, the data's out, we had 70 kids. Jeez. 70. I mean, what's to do, right? We've got, it's just, it's absolutely uh, wonderful. And I want to let you know that how responsible I feel that we become a place that nurtures and cares and develops and where these children are seen and known and loved. You know, I feel that responsibly, responsibility deeply. I love these kids. And I want St. Augustine's to be a place where they can make lifelong connections with each other, that they can develop to become a follower of Jesus. And they can start doing that, you know, right at, you know, at the youngest of ages. And so we want to develop a place where the kids can go on this journey. So not only that their faith can grow, but it's actually there nourishing and nurturing them and sustaining them as they become teenagers and adults. And one of the things we know is key to that is a connection to, a, to really great uh, youth leaders. And so we want, you know, we know that when there's great connection, when there's great leadership, where there's, their faith is being integrated all the way down through their life and they themselves are experiencing God, you know, that codes our children to become teenagers and young adults who know and love and follow Jesus. And because of that, it sets them up for lives of flourishing and of purpose and of destiny. But, you know, do you know what else? We actually, if we want this for our kids, we actually need to invest into that. We actually need to create space and put some financial resources uh, towards that and invest in our kids. And we actually need to do that not, you know, we need to do that before, not after the need is required. That's what it means to grow a ministry. We do the stuff up front. We risk it right at the start. We find the resources. We employ the people. And then that's how the ministry grows. And I want to ensure that St. Augustine's is a place. I mean, you think about this. I want St. Augustine's to be a place. I think what you do as well. With those 104 kia, kakapo, and fantails all grow to become 104 young adults and teenagers who know and follow and love Christ for the sake of the world, right? But we need to start thinking and planning and investing into that now. We've got an opportunity now, but we need to start putting these building blocks uh, into place. And so what I'm really asking you is giving the trajectory that we're on today, what I'm really asking you is, are you up for taking the next step with us? Are you up for investing into our children and our young people and to build on the work that we've already done. Are you guys up for that? Yes. Yes, you're up for that. That's nice. The other area I want us to consider today is the area of um, families and, in particular, marriage and parenting. And this is an area we're only just venturing into as a church, but I feel it's just super important. 
It's super important that, you know, St. Augustine's can be a place where marriages can flourish, where children can flourish. And actually parenting, the very best of parenting is encouraged and uh, supported also. And I know this is kind of, it's new work, but I've got to say, if we're going to step into new work, it actually means new uh, investment. And so I think it's not only super important for us as a church to be doing this, but it's actually flipping important for those out there as well who don't know. You, know, you survey the landscape, and you know, marriages need support. Parents need support and help as, you know, as they, for, for their kids. And the church can be super helpful in the space. So it's not just for us. I'm not asking you to invest just for you know, us in the room here. I'm wanting us to invest new money so that we can get an initiative going, not just for the sake of us, because it's not about our lives just for us. It's our lives for the sake um, of others. And so what I want to do is I want to come into land now. And for, I want us to kind of think in mind, we've got two things to deal with here. One, we're going to deal with our deficit, but also if we're going to push into new initiatives for next year, what we need to happen today is actually for our income to lift. Now, I realize that household finances are tight. I, you know, I understand that. My household finances are tight. And look, all you might want to be able to give a one-off gift today. You might want to love to be able to do that. But perhaps all you can do is adjust your AP, you know, a little however you want to be able to do that. Or perhaps you are not on an AP, and I want to encourage you to jump into that. I really love the super generous culture that we've got here at St. Augustine's. Most people are on APs. That's super helpful for our cash flow. But can I just say what we really need today? If I can just give it to you straight. What we need today is actually some, a range of one-off gifts that will instantly put fuel in the tank and give us a sense of security to put a foot on the gas to go forward with some of these new initiatives. And saying all of this, you know, I really feel that what my job is to do is to lay out before you where I feel God is calling us to as a church and to lay out the financial requirements of what I think it needs to, to, to really get there. But at the end of the day, please hear me clearly on this. At the end of the day, this is about you and God and what God is calling you to do. So as we kind of come into land, what I want to do now is I want it to give us all some time. Remember, Jesus is the foundation of the church, right? Jesus is the foundation of the church. So we're going to ask the Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to this situation? How do you want me to respond to be able to put some of the next essential building blocks into the life of St. Augustine's?